0: La, 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 la. Hello, my friend, and welcome to this week's episode of Big Lash Energy. I'm your host, Jana Marie. Last week was so heavy. I mean, I don't think it gets much heavier than that. I get why some people might have skipped over it, but if you listened, thank you. The feedback we received has been incredible, and all I can hope is that the message falls on ears that needed to hear it. I almost skipped recording this week because since recording last episode, seven days ago, I've done hair and makeup for 13 Get bridal work, bookings, Gina. each in different parts of town. Every day I woke up at two in the morning and didn't finish work till about five or six at night. So needless to say, I didn't have time to write an episode. I told my sister I was stressing out about it and she told me, Chena, just take a week off. Are we really supposed to come out with an episode every single Wednesday for the rest of our lives? And I was thinking, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. What's What's wrong with that? <laughs> I was seriously considering skipping out. She did have a point. But then someone very sweet replied to my Instagram story about how tired I was. She said, girl, it's time to get some rest. I said, yeah, but now I have to come up with a podcast episode. That's when she said, I mean, if you had a boring podcast, then I would tell you to go and relax. But because me and thousands of others have been waiting patiently since last Wednesday for the bombest podcast to drop another episode, I hate to say this, but... Get back to work, (laughs) Jaina. Then, almost right after, another listener sent me a screenshot of her Spotify account. She said, look, I wanted to show you my boyfriend and I share an account. He's listening to you at work right now. I say this because I think it's really important for you to know how much your feedback means to me. You really never know when you message me if I was just about to throw in the towel. So this week, honestly, I'm exhausted. I have fallen asleep at least two or three times tonight while trying to write this episode. But your messages, your DMs are quite literally the wind beneath my wings. So it's now seven in the morning on Tuesday. Tim is waiting patiently or not so patiently for this audio so that he can get editing. So enough dicking around. Let's do this. Welcome to Big Lash Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses, and laughing at ourselves along the way. <laughs> now here's your favorite hype woman, <laughs> Jana Marie. Jayna Marie. Love, 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 love. This week, we're changing it up big time with a story so uh, crazy. I swear, uh, every single person who's heard it before told me that it needed to be made into a movie. But I'm wondering. Who would play me? I asked my sister and she said Mila Kunis. I can kind of see it. She's got kind of a quirky personality and big, wide-eyed, innocent look. But you know what? It reminded me of a time when I went shopping in Thailand and a lady stopped me to say that she thought I looked like a famous celebrity. She told me in a very thick Thai accent. I could barely understand her. And I said, wow, which one? And she goes, I can't remember her name. She's cute. And I thought, oh, good. She said, not pretty, though. Not pretty. What the heck? Not sexy either. Not sexy? Okay, lady, maybe I don't want to know who this is. Yeah, not too pretty. Okay, she doubled down on the not too pretty. Like, damn. Then she threw one finger up in the air and said, Drew Barrymore. So maybe it would be her who played me. Who knows? All I know is that anytime I tell this story, it feels like I'm talking about someone else's life because it happened ages ago. Someone who heard my life story once asked me, how many lives have you lived? And I said, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure if I was a cat, I'd be on my last one. Anyways, today I'm telling the story of how 19-year-old Jaina went from the leader of a church drama team to begging cocaine for a Mexican drug dealer all within a couple of months. Hang on to your sombrero, amigo, because this is a story that might just blow your mind. In high school, I was the definition of a teacher's pet. It was bad. Like, really bad. I babysat for my social studies teacher. I hung out with my civilizations teacher and his wife. I went for dinners at my English teacher's house. I mean, yeah, definitely a teacher's pet. My friends referred to one of our teachers as the pierogi. And when they found out that I was going to her home for dinner some nights, they nicknamed me baby pierogi. (laughs) I totally deserved it. I also just did far more than what was ever asked of me in class projects and everything. Essentially, I was the Rachel Berry of my high school. Okay, so if you never watched Glee, you have no idea what I mean by that. But basically, I was the super involved drama geek. I was the manager of our school's traveling drama team. We'd perform the sketches and dance numbers that I'd helped to write and choreograph in churches and schools all over the city. My drama teacher and I were best friends. Although after years of graduating, uh, we reconnected over Facebook and he admitted that he actually had feelings for me back then, which is pretty strange. Not gonna lie, especially because I had prices. Ugh. I was also very involved in not just one, but two churches. I was in the choir in one of them and the worship team in the other. Every year I went on missions trips to build homes for poor families in Mexico. My biggest passion, however, was musical theater. I loved performing on stage. My family thought that I was going to grow up to be an actress. The only problem was every time I do a musical, I'd end up losing my voice or having bronchitis. So my mom did nails back then. Well, she still does. And one of her clients, who's actually, now that I think of it, still her client, was a singing coach. My mom told her all about my throat issues. And that's when she said that it's likely because I wasn't using my instrument properly. She and my mom decided that they would do a trade. My mom would do her nails and exchange. I would get voice lessons. That's where I met Chris. Chris was my vocal teacher's top Performer, He had studied opera and classical music in university, but mostly sang jazz. I called him Hoopla because she always made him the grand finale at the end of our group performances. I thought he was really cute. He was confident. Borderline on cocky, and so talented. So it broke my little heart a little when I found out that he was gonna go skiing with my best friend. I was imagining them kissing on the mountainside, playfully throwing snowballs at each other, just flirting away, but really, they didn't have much in common at all. And at one point on their date, Allison, my friend, said, I think you'd really like my friend Jaina and gave him my phone number. I had no idea that he had my number, so I absolutely lost my mind the day that he called me. That was back when, you know, your phone would ring in the kitchen and your mom would answer and say, Jaina, it's for you. It's a boy. <laughs> so embarrassing. I wasn't expecting to hear from him at all. He was funny, charming, and of course, insanely talented. So my high school crush definitely had me feeling like I was talking to a celebrity. My parents weren't nearly as excited that he had called, however. When I told them that it was him, they said, uh, How old is he? Because they knew him from our you know, music lesson performances. He was 22 and I was only 17 at the time. I didn't understand why that mattered. We had so much to talk about and it didn't feel like there was a big age difference. So him and I went on some dates, but I didn't mention them to my mom and dad. I remember one day he picked me up from school and took me to his place. It was a basement suite in a really shitty part of town, but it was more than I had to myself. He brought out a carton of fresh blueberries, placed them beside his keyboard. Then he sat down at the bench and motioned for me to sit beside him. That's when he played his keyboard and sang along to the song In My Life by the Beatles, and I was smitten. I just sat there eating blueberries, listening to him sing. It felt like I was in heaven. Then he got to the last line, in my life, I loved you more. And he kissed me on my neck. Then we started kissing, and it progressed to a pretty intense makeout session. I was playing it cool on the outside, but freaking out on the inside. He was my first real boyfriend, and being a part of the church meant I wanted to save myself until marriage. It was really important to me, but I'd seriously over-romanticized what losing my virginity was going to be like. I thought, maybe I'd do it during the countdown to New Year's so that I would enter the New Year as a real woman, you know, 10, (coughs) 9, 8, come here, bring that penis over here, you big, handsome fella. (laughs) Or my parents had a Rod Stewart song that they listened to called Tonight's the Night. The lyrics said something like, Loosen up that pretty French gown, let me pour you a good long drink. Oh baby, don't you hesitate, because... Two nights the night. That's exactly how I pictured it. A cigarette lit, a fancy bottle of champagne, me in a French gown and possibly a fur coat on top. But I never, ever imagined doing it in an illegal basement suite that smelled like dog food next to a pile of old mattresses. I stopped him mid-boob grab and said, Chris, can we stop? And he said, what's wrong? I said, nothing. I just don't really think I'm ready for all this. I was hoping to save myself until marriage. He did his best to hide his disappointment and his boner. And he said, you know what? I can wait. You're worth it. I couldn't believe what he had said. I thought for sure we'd be over as soon as I expressed how I felt about this. But strangely enough, him agreeing to not having sex with me made me want it even more. (laughs) But we behaved ourselves. One day, he came over to my house while my parents were at work. We were innocently looking things up on the family computer in our living room when my dad walked in. He played nice to Chris's face, but as soon as he left, he let me know how he was really feeling. world does a 22 year old want to do with my 17 year old daughter? This is not okay. My parents thought Chris was only with me for the sex, but that's only because I hadn't told them that he and I had already talked about it and decided that we were going to wait until marriage. Now, don't get me wrong. That didn't mean we didn't do anything. In fact, the way church kids work is that they look for literally any fine print or loophole to get away with pretty much as much as possible while still being technically virgins, (laughs) but I can say that it's the thought that counts. We really did have the best intentions and it wasn't easy practicing that much self-control, but we were both down for the cause. When I graduated high school, I brought Chris as my date. The kids in my grad class all made fun of me saying that I was bringing an old man to the party, but I never really cared what other people thought about me. I loved that he had his own place, a good job, his own truck, a Dalmatian, life experience, which was so much more than anyone else in my grad class could say for themselves. Plus, I was thankful that even though he'd been sexually active with his girlfriends in the past, he was willing to sacrifice that because it mattered to me. Then one summer afternoon, he and I went for a walk in the sunshine downtown. We grabbed smoothies at a little cafe and walked along holding hands. Then he stopped me suddenly as we passed a jewelry store. He goes, want to go in? And I said, sure. I figured we were just going to go in and look at sparkly things, pretending that we had money. We looked at diamond necklaces, earrings, so many beautiful things, and then ended up in the engagement ring section. I spotted a ring that I liked and he winked and said, Why not try it on? I thought we were just playing a game so I said sure. I saw the price tag when the saleswoman took it out. $2,600. It may as well have been a million dollars to me back then. She slid the ring on my finger and it looked so beautiful. I wasn't sure. Was this where I say that I hate it and walk out? Do I pretend that I can afford something bigger? She goes honey you have to see it sparkle in the daylight. So she took me outside and she was right. It did look better in the daylight. While the carriage turned back into a pumpkin as soon as I remembered that we each made a only slightly over minimum wage, and this wasn't going to be mine anytime soon. We made some random excuse as to why we had to leave and said goodbye to the disappointed but slightly optimistic saleswoman and went along with our day. I never thought about that ring ever again. Months passed. Then one night we were lying in my bed, joking around playfully, and he said, you know what, I'm too excited about this. I can't hide it anymore. He reached off the side of the bed into his backpack and pulled out the ring from the store my jaw dropped. Had he stolen it? Shit! Did he buy it? Because if I knew he was going to actually spend money on the one that I liked, I would have picked something cheaper. Wait, was he asking asking me me to to marry him? him? I switched focus from the ring to his face. He looked very serious and said, Jaina, what do you think about us getting married? My gut said, oh, fuck no. No! but I'm pretty sure I managed to keep the smile on my face. I wasn't prepared for this at all. I knew I was far too young. I knew we had anger issues. We had relationship problems we hadn't worked on. And most importantly, I still had living to do. But I also really wanted to be out of my parents' house. I was ready to be grown up and marrying him would be like figuring out the cheat code to getting to be an adult. I told him we needed to ask my parents' permission first and he told me he already had before he put the ring on layaway my mind was blown were they seriously okay with this back then the first thing you did when you got engaged was drive to the nearest gas station or grocery store and buy wedding magazines just in case you're a gen z and have no idea what i'm talking about magazines were pinterest and instagram of the olden days (laughs) you'd put post-it notes on the prettiest pages and dream of a wedding that looked similar. But as a recent high school graduate, all I had was about $360 in my bank account that I made from working at Winners. So I knew my wedding wasn't gonna look like what I saw in the magazines. So we started planning our wedding. Since we were just two broke kids with barely any help from our parents, we were doing our best to be thrifty. I remember my mom saying that she would contribute $400 to a wedding dress, so I found one for under $400. Of course, this was after she joked that my high school graduation dress was champagne colored, so maybe I should just wear that. We put deposits down on venues. I asked my bridesmaids. We ordered their dresses and we sent out the invitations. The wedding was set for the September long weekend. and We were so excited to start our lives together. I didn't care about my wedding being fancy or any of the silly details. I just wanted to be married. We also bought a condo that he was living in until our wedding. i had been spending most of my days there decorating, painting, finding furniture and accessories. I made a picture wall in the bedroom of photos of us from all of our fun dates and places we'd been together. I was trying to make it a home. Now, at the same time, my sister Carly was also dating someone and we're going to call him Seth. He spent lots of time with our family, but his family was really well off, so my sister did a lot with them too. We were spending time with them both at our home and at the condo we had at a local ski hill. The two of them were in their own little world together and very different than my boyfriend and I. She skipped school with them almost all the time. Whenever my mom would see them in her room making out together, she would be like, Why aren't you guys at school? And my sister would say they had a spare. I always wondered, How? spares does she have? Because I don't think she ever went to class. Then on grad night, the two of them got into a fight. He wanted to party all the time and she'd had enough of it. But at two o'clock in the morning, the phone rang. It was Seth's mom calling to say that there had been a car accident. His mom had no idea that they'd just broken up, but of course, Carly was the first person she called. Even though they weren't together anymore, Carly wanted to be there for the family regardless. So it turned out that Seth had been in a very serious car accident. He'd had his license taken away for having too many speeding tickets, so his friend was driving, but he'd been drinking. He lost control of the car, only a few blocks away from Seth's house. They crashed, and Seth went flying from the vehicle. He hadn't been wearing a seatbelt. His lifeless body was thrown from the car and lying in such a way that his friend figured that he was dead and he didn't want to be considered the one to blame. So he ran from the scene of the accident, leaving Seth on the road alone. He was taken to the hospital in Kelowna to be stabilized, and they notified his family that his spine had been broken in multiple places. He needed to be airlifted to Vancouver General Hospital right away. So Carly drove the four hours to Vancouver with Seth's family, sick to her stomach the whole drive because she had no idea what was going to happen to him or if he even wanted her there. She was thinking if his parents knew that they'd broken up, they probably wouldn't have called her. She arrived at the hospital before he was even done his surgery and was nervous that he'd open his eyes and say, what the hell's she doing here? Instead, he asked for her as soon as he came to and she was right by his side. He went back to calling her his girlfriend, and they never spoke about the fact that they'd broken up ever again. He just went back to calling her his girlfriend. Of course, Seth also spent a lot of time with our family. He was with us all the time, so I was concerned about both him and my sisters. My mom and I made a trip to Vancouver to be there for her. We drove the four hours just a couple days later and booked a hotel right beside the hospital. I held my sister so tight when I saw her. This was so much bigger than regular high school drama. While we were there, the doctors notified all of us that Seth was going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. He'd lost all movement from his chest down and Carly was going to be staying, living in the hospital with him, helping him learn how to live life as a paraplegic for the next six months to a year. We were all devastated. I called Chris to tell him the news. He and Seth were close too, but when he answered the phone, something was off. He seemed distant and didn't even ask how Seth was doing. I asked what he'd been up to since I was gone, and he said nothing much. He said, um, me and a bunch of friends from work went out and partied the other night. Like who? Me, Zena, and a bunch of other people. Something about what he said hit weird. That night, I couldn't sleep. Something was going on, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I could feel it in my gut. I grabbed the pad of paper with the hotel logo on the top and wrote him a letter, starting with, Something doesn't feel right. We stayed for two more days and then drove home. Once we got back, I let Chris know that we were home and he came over. I still remember this conversation so clearly. He was sitting on my bedroom floor with his back up against the wall. I told him that I had something that I wanted to talk to him about and I pulled the hotel stationery out of my bag. I read him the letter with tears in my eyes and then I looked up at him. I finally just got to the point. Did you have sex with Zena? I asked expecting that he'd say no, but we flirted or no, but I kissed her. Instead, his shoulders dropped and he said, yes, I did. The tears I'd been trying to hold back came pouring down my cheeks. He slept with her when we were waiting till marriage? The thing that was so important to me, he did with someone else he'd only known for two weeks? I pulled the engagement ring off my finger and threw it at him. I said, please take this. I am not marrying you anymore. And he interrupted me. He said, no, 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 I just got scared. The guys at my work kept joking that I'd only get to be with one woman for the rest of my life and I freaked out. Please take the ring back. And he offered it to me. Let's just live our lives. Have all the fun we want this summer and then get married in September. This was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard. He really wanted me to give him permission to fuck around with other people while we waited for our wedding night? I was disgusted and terrified. My invitations were already sent out. I had a wedding in four months that was almost completely planned. What the fuck was I gonna do now? The next day, I waited until he was at work to stop by our condo. I couldn't believe what I saw when I walked in. There were beer cans and cigarette butts everywhere. It looked like he'd been on a five-day bender. Then I walked into our bedroom. My heart sank when I saw the bedding everywhere and her shirt on the ground. That's when I flipped out. He brought her to our home? To our bed? The one I was waiting for? For our wedding night? They fucked surrounded by the pictures of us hanging on the walls? Oh, Oh, hell no. no. I pulled all the pictures off the wall and threw them on the ground. Then I noticed that there happened to be a jumbo Sharpie on the desk beside the bed. So in what was far from one of my finest moments, I laid the sheet out over the bed and cried my eyes out while I wrote in big, bold, black letters whore was here. Then I left feeling like I didn't even know him anymore. I told my parents and they were mad, like big mad. Calling off the wedding meant losing thousands of dollars, but I think they were also kind of relieved that this meant I wasn't going to marry him. He had a terrible temper and fought with them all of the time. My mom knew I was absolutely heartbroken and didn't know what to do. She wanted to be there for me, but she also was worried that I'd get back together with him. And that was the last thing she wanted. So that's when she sat me down and said, The last time your dad and I went to Mexico, we met a Canadian girl who was there performing in all the shows at the all-inclusive resort. She ate dinner with us one night and afterwards, your dad and I both said, you'd probably love doing something like that. Maybe this is time for you to go out on your own and do something big. She wasn't wrong at all. I loved Mexico and really loved being on stage. Maybe this would be the perfect combination." I figured, why not see if I could get a job working in Mexico? I didn't know the first thing about how to get a job like that, so I just sat down at the computer searching for all-inclusive hotel chains. I probably sent about 20 emails saying that I was from Canada, I spoke French and English, I had experience on stage, and taking care of kids only a few hours later I received an email from a man named Roberto Pareschi. I'll never forget his name because it sounded so official he said his resort had an opening in the kids club and that he wanted me to start as soon as possible he said the hotel would provide food and housing and pay me $400 a month $200 every two weeks my mom said it sounded like a decent offer considering all my expenses would be taken care of she said I could potentially save $400 a month if I was smart with my money and I was excited she booked me a one-way ticket to Cancun and said, if I'm spending all this money, you have to be dedicated, okay? No coming back in two weeks or something. I don't want you here getting back together with him. Considering how angry I was, that was not going to be difficult at all. I said, no problemo. I packed my bags, made an email address that my family could get a hold of me at. It was Maria Cesariba at hotmail.com and I left only two days later. My mom and dad drove me to the airport, and it's a pretty scary thing saying goodbye to your parents at that age, not knowing when you're going to see them again, but I kept moving forward, one foot in front of the other, through the security desk. Sit back, relax, if there's anything we can do to make your flight a little more enjoyable. I boarded the plane, and as I took my seat, I noticed that the couple sitting beside me was holding hands. The woman looked into the man's eyes with excitement and said, it's finally happening. Then she turned to me and said, we're on our honeymoon. Great imagine the luck. I'm sitting next to the honeymooners while I'm in my flight to Mexico escaping the wedding that was supposed to be happening in four months. How terrible. I spent that entire flight trying not to look at the wedding photos she insisted on flipping through repeatedly. I wrote in my journal that this was going to be a time for me to grow and get over Chris. I had no idea what was waiting for me in Mexico. My plan was to get closer to God, but instead I left him on the plane. Next week, you're going to hear all about what happened in Mexico. I promise it's an adventure for the record books. There are so many unexpected twists and turns. Can it be next Wednesday already? Please and thank you. If you like this episode, please be sure to follow and subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. But most importantly, can you share this with a friend? I hear every time you do, an angel gets its wings. It's true. Thank you so much for listening. Now, until next week, please go be your most fabulous self. And don't forget to spread that badass, big lash energy everywhere you go. Thank you so much. Goodbye.